We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, a Nets loss tonight, 100-93 to to Orlando Magic, but a very shorthanded Nets team. How are we feeling, Jack? Yeah, shorthanded to say the least, Nick. 24 players out p- between the two teams tonight. It was a, basically the Brook Lopez and Blake Griffin show for a lot of the game until our boy David Duke Jr. stepped up and turned into... Prime Ed Davis on the boards. Yeah, I mean, it was really crazy. Like you said, Robin Lopez was oh, looked like an elite center in this game because the Nets essentially had no bigs. Blake, obviously, undersized. Dayron Sharp went in protocol right before the game started. But we'll jump to that in plenty more. You can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to get started? Let's start with David Duke Jr., Nick. Let's start with the positive. What an incredible night for him. 18 points, 7 15 from the field. A, a big three ball. I think it might have been his first or second three ball as a Brooklyn there. Three or four from the free throw line. 14 rebounds, including eight offensive rebounds. He had nine of those, none of those boards in the fourth quarter alone. And 16 points of 16 of his 18 points in the fourth quarter alone as well. His offensive rebounding was. An absolute goddamn masterclass. He was literally the reason why the Nets were in this game and they were able to come back in such a big way. He's incredible. And he's my height. He's six foot freaking four. He's like 193 centimeters. Uh, This was a hell of a a performance for the young rook. Yeah, and one assist, two steals, a block in there as well. Like you said, Jack, just the energy in which he provided in that fourth quarter just kind of willed the Nets back into the game, got the crowd into it. You just can always appreciate that level of effort and energy. Like, yeah, maybe he's not the best shot maker, and his shot obviously needs work in the gym, and that'll come in the offseason. But you just love the effort and the energy just constantly going at it on the boards, being undersized, had the putback dunk as well. You just love the aggression in which he provides in this team, and he's really trying to make a name for himself 
himself and earn, you know, potential rotation minutes. Obviously, he's not fully developed and he's not, you know, the most fine-tuned offensive player, but coaches don't forget effort. No, effort is what gets you minutes. And via Chris Mulholland, he's eight offensive rebounds tonight, the most for rookie in the NBA this season. Again, <laughs> six foot four. Yeah. There is few guys that rebound the basketball at the guard position as well as David Duke Jr. does, and he's a rookie. You know, Russell Westbrook is probably the one that immediately springs to mind. You, you can throw James Harden in there, but James Harden's like 6'6". Six, six. You know, he's a, a pure shooting guard, probably small forward size in the modern NBA. But it's incredible because it was old-school basketball, Nick. You know, there was nothing pretty about this one. And honestly, the energy that he brought with his offensive putbacks, with his defense, you know, he, he blocked the three ball from um, the forward bloke, whatever his name is. Um, and he had put, two putbacks, you know, in previous to that. He was getting deflections. He was getting steals. He's got a, a hell of a skill set. And, you know, if that three ball turns into anything resembling, resembling, you know, average, he's going to be a quality NBA player. And, he, I mean, he already is, you know, on the on the rise towards that mark. But, man, he is he's something. I like him. Yeah, he could be a very good role player. Like, you just look at that three ball, like, that's what's really kind of holding him back right now. But obviously, he's still a rookie, has time to improve on that. You love the defense because you mentioned, you know, forced a couple steals, and he literally forced the steals. Like, he was just really being a pest defensively and just fighting with them, especially even just picking up full court sometimes and just really making them earn every bit on the court. And like I said, you really appreciate that level of play. Kind of excited to see what he can do moving forward. And this is kind of like one of those draft picks, one of those deals that could look really good for the Nets in a year or two. You know, obviously, when you have three superstars in James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, you're going to need some of these smaller contracts. You're going to need some of these, you know, undrafted free agents to work out for your team. David Duke Jr. looks like he could be one of those guys. Obviously, he still needs a shot like we mentioned, but there's a lot of potential for him to be a role player for this team moving forward. Undrafted is the key that you just mentioned there, Nick. He is undrafted. So there's always a, a bit of an attitude, a bit of confidence, a bit of a, an FU mentality that a lot of those guys have, and he plays with it. He just plays with the, an infectious energy. And, you know, he's on the two-way right now alongside Kessel Edwards. You look at, like, a Lou Dort and, and what the OKC Thunder were able to get him on a four-year, like, seven, $8 million deal. Garrison Matthews in a similar sort of fashion out in Houston. If the Nets can get some low-value stuff with the David Duke Jr. or Kessel Edwards, they're playing you know, as good as the, probably exceeding the expectations of a contract like that. You know, if they keep, keep producing the, the way they are, especially with their defense and energy. But those cost control contracts are, are certainly a, a big part of when you've got superstars and, and, and hefty money, hefty money, sorry, uh, with those max contracts. And David Duke Jr. has already proven, I think, that he can play. Once Kai gets back, um, we'll, ch we'll chat more about that later in the episode. Once James Harden's back from health and safety protocols, you throw David Duke, David Duke Jr. out there, you know, cutting and, and you know, rebounding the misses off a of James Harden or a Kevin Durant. And um, I, I just think that there's something about the athleticism that he brings that I think is, you know, he gives the Nets, you know, an, an, an added wrinkle that I think is just, you know, really exciting to watch. Yeah, I think just like the spark of energy, you know, regular season game, you're, you know, you need that extra pop off the bench. Maybe you throw David Duke Jr. in the game to kind of provide that. And like I said, I'm, I'm not sure how much his role will look like when the team is fully healthy, but moving forward, I think it, like you said, just one of those value contracts that like next year, all of a sudden, you know, he works in the gym and he's shooting 35% from three. Oh, wow. Like this guy could be really, really good in terms of just fitting in a role for this team. But you mentioned Kessler Edwards, the other two-way guy, not as Before best. Before we get... 
to the Kess Express, Nick. I just wanted to ask you about his rebounding acumen. What is it? Was this one of the best rebounding games that you've seen? Was it the most? I just can't remember a game where the impact and force of the boards that he was getting literally led to points on the board and led to an ascendancy and momentum that is just I haven't seen since like whether it's Jared Allen or Ed Davis. Um, and it's it was just remarkable in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, for a guard, this is probably one of the best rebounding performances I've ever seen, especially from the offense perspective. Like you said, Jack, eight offensive boards, some putbacks, some tip-ins, just constantly being active on that end. It's really incredible, and it, it's a skill, and it's literally just energy and juice. Like, he just played with a high level of juice and was constantly fighting on every play. You mentioned undrafted guy. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. He thinks he should have went in the draft. He thinks he should have went over X, Y, and Z, and he didn't. He wants to show all these NBA teams they made a mistake. And I think that rebounding is an underrated skill in a lot of ways. We know how much the Nets value it and maybe not so much offensive rebounding, but that's something that if you are a role player is the, a little thing that the superstars, you know, you don't see Kevin Durant getting, you know, five offensive rebounds a game or James Harden or those guys. It's always a role players in terms, okay, I'll rebound the misses, I'll rebound my own misses. You know, Kess did it the other night, you know, rebounded his own miss and showed some good strength and composure to, to finish the bucket. So I just think that there's just little things that can get you into the rotation and, and only rotation minutes, you know. He's a, a perfect sort of role player alongside, you know, he can handle the ball a little bit as well. He's just got, you know, some skills here and there. I like the way he penetrates as well. Sometimes, you know, you got a few turnovers here and there, but that's just going to happen, you know, for a guy who is a, a rookie um, and is playing most of his career in Long Island. So I just... This is a unique experience, an incredibly unique, you know, circumstance at the same time. But at the same, but in saying that as well, you know, you, you take the positives from it and the fact that you might have found, uh, you know, another undrafted gem, you know, that Sean Marks has, has found on the scrap heap. Um, he's, he's proving himself and then some. Shout out to David Duke Jr. Yeah, I just, it's relentless. You know what I mean? Just like constantly fighting on that end and just trying to find a way to have an impact on the game, especially when the team is struggling. Like you said, the reason they were able to come back in the fourth is because he just turned it up and constantly fought and fought and fought. So credit to him. And, just and it was his three. It was his yeah. three that tied the game, which is, I was just like, in my head, I'm not sure how you were thinking when you were watching the game. I'm like, I reckon this is going in. And all of these other more confident than his other threes. It did. It was. I mean, the mechanics weren't any different, yeah. so to speak. He, he's a bit more. He's uh, sort of like a Sean. I get Sean Marion style vibes in terms of like he sort of pushes. He's a very army shooter. Whereas I think we've spoken to Kessler Edwards in the past when we we're doing draft shows. He's a very leggy shooter. Whereas I think that's sort of changed a, a little bit now with his, some of his mechanics. But um, that was money. Uh, this was. While this game might be, you know, thrown under the rug, I don't think we're going to forget it anytime soon. Purely because of just the, the, the greatness that David Duke Jr. showed in, in his performance tonight. And for a guard to get away with constantly crashing the glass, they have to be very active in terms of like their hustle and energy to get back on defense. And he's a guy that's always sprinting. You know, it's sprinting to get back on defense. It's sprinting to run in transition. And I think you always appreciate that as well. Yeah, he's got pace. He's got athleticism. That's what a lot of the, the young Nets rookies bring. And that's a... A different dimension to this Nets team because, you know, you've got your veterans, your Emil Saps, Marcus Aldridge, James Johnson. James Johnson's an okay athlete, but a lot of those other guys lack a lot of burst. And sometimes, you know, that, that athletic pop, you know, gives the team a, a semblance of, you know, to quote our boy Patty Mills, juice, big juice, big juice. 
um, that the the team can sort of just ignite. It can spark them. So you know, who knows what's going to happen in the the coming days and weeks. You know, it's as unpredictable as ever in the NBA right now. But the way that you know guys like David Duke Jr. and Kessler Edwards are playing, it's still fun to watch Nets basketball. Yeah, it's a different type of taste when you're watching the game. It's a different expectation in terms of what you're looking for in terms of like, okay, Kevin Durant's not out there. We don't necessarily anticipate winning this game, even though it's against Orlando Magic or also shorthanded. It's just kind of like, what can we see? What type of potential can we see from these guys? It's almost like what we were used to watching, you know, before the Nets were in the playoffs. You mentioned Kevin Durant, Nick, and I wanted to ask you, I saw this on the timeline a little bit. I'm like, I totally agree. Does the fact that Kevin Durant was able to drag basically this roster, this team, to big wins against the Philadelphia 76ers with a pretty healthy roster to the Toronto Raptors who were pretty healthy themselves, does that solidify, is that the biggest you know, credential for Kevin Durant's MVP case? Yeah, I think it's a it's a big credential. Obviously, this is a group that really struggled against, you know, an Orlando Magic team, like I mentioned, even though shorthanded, still not very good. There was the Nets were still favorites, I think, in Las Vegas by like five or five and a half points in this game. So another notch on KD's MVP case. We kind of talked about it too in the difference of hey, KD sits, James Harden plays, the Nets lose to the Rockets. James Harden sits, KD plays, they beat the Pistons, they beat the Raptors, and they beat the Sixers. And the Sixers, like you said, are still a pretty damn good team with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris out there. So um, I think it definitely is a notch on his belt. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Hopefully he's back soon rather than later. It'll be interesting to see whether he gets the the old Lakers COVID treatment, the Russell Westbrook <laughs> LeBron James treatment, or if he gets the, the old school Kevin Durant treatment that he got last year, which was seemed to be a little bit... You know, two rules for, for one circumstance. So who knows? Um, we, we'll touch on the sort of COVID stuff a little bit later in the episode. Sean Marks and Steve Nash were able to speak to the media and, and talk about the asymptomatic and obviously Kyrie Irving being in health and safety protocols as well. But Nick, you were about to touch on Kess Express. I know you are choo-choo all aboard <laughs> the Kess Express train. What did you think of his game tonight? Yeah, obviously offensively, I think you see some of the deficiencies and where he needs to develop, but it's not because of lack of tools. I think the athletic pop is showcasing more and more. Like, you're like, wow, this guy's a pretty good athlete. There was one play where I think he got contact from Wagner, was able to still finish with a dunk. Uh, he had the play where he had a couple blocks in this game. I think the athleticism is a little bit sneaky, especially with that vertical. And obviously, he's another guy that's pretty active on the boards, and you love the fact that he was willing to kind of grind with Robin Lopez in this game, too. So, Kess not, you know... Is his game's not refined or anything like that, but the tools are definitely popping. You can see the potential in which he can add as a role player on this team. Like, I didn't expect him to have a big game because the Nets were lacking playmakers, lacking spacing and stuff like that. So it's always harder for a guy that's playing off of others to have a big game, but he still showcased a lot of that potential. Yeah, four of 13 from the field tonight, one of four from three. Uh, he had five boards, including two offensive boards, two assists, three blocks to go with the nine points. He does a lot. He's a, a really, really good rebounder because you mentioned his athleticism. I think he's low-key quite strong. You know, you mentioned sort of the post-defense and, you know, this is basically the smallest version we'll get of Kessler, but he's only going to fill out even more going forward as the, the Nets training staff get with him. Um, and he's, you know, some of the blocks that he had tonight, you know, he was just like, you're really going to attack me under the rim? 
you know, it's just not happening, guys. You know, that one, like, drives uh, to the rim where it's just, like, you expect them to be able to have the magic plays. Obviously, they, they lacked a lot of talent as well, but Kess is just like, no, get out of my house. You know, this is just, a, this ain't happening. So the fact that we saw a lot of small ball fire from him, I think is a, a really positive sign because that's where the Nets have always looked amazing. Again, you're probably not going to throw Kessler Edwards out there at the five against Giannis under the Kumpo, but in saying that, you know, his ability to hit the three ball, yeah, he was only one of four tonight, but I still think that his mechanics are good and he's got the confidence to, to let the trigger flow. Um, he's a, a really strong and, and active rebounder, um, like, like the David Duke Jr., you know, a really quality athlete, you know, a really solid defender. It's just going to be game reps for him. You know, they're continuing to understand the game, understand the tendencies of opponents, watch the film, watch his own film, and understand different team tendencies here and there. But, you know, at pick 44, absolute steal. You know what I love too, Jack, is the the differences in the blocks. You know, one block came in an isolation possession where he just locked the guy down, and then another block was actual rim protection. And uh, funny enough, I was listening back to one of our uh, podcasts from over the summer where we did like our summer league recap, and we were talking about Kessler Edwards, and we talked about the potential of him having a little bit of rim protection in his game, and that's something we saw. And that's, I think, the ability for him to play small ball five or potentially, you know, in the future, or even just play next to Kevin Durant or play next to a fly, five five in a small ball lineup because he can provide some of that weak side rim protection with his length and his athletic pop. Yeah, maybe a him or a James Johnson. It just gives you another body out there to yep. just throw versatility. different... Yeah, versatility, different looks, different iterations. And I'm sure it was probably you that brought up that. And I'm not smart enough to, to think forward and, and, and think back like Kessler Edwards, um, like you are. You are all aboard that train and... You know, I've got. I'm, 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 I'm honestly like I'm, we know. I think we were both pretty high, and Lucas was pretty high on him as well because he was on that podcast as well. But um, even he's surpassed my expectations for where he's at currently. You know, as an NBA player, like I thought it would be, hey, maybe we see him closer to March or February or something like that. Or you know, there's injuries, and obviously that was the case with the COVID protocol and all that. But still, like I think there's more potential for him to fit next to the real Nets roster with his skill set than what I anticipated in the summer just because of some of the athleticism because athleticism covers up a lot of mistakes. And I think there were mistakes in this game. He got beat back door a couple times and you can tell he's unsure a little bit sometimes with the defensive scheme, but that's something that will change when he gets more reps. He's going to learn and he's only yeah. going to get better. What's this is the third game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, 39 minutes for that. So sometimes, you know, you get those reps and you learn from mistakes. And I think he's going to, He's got a, a lot inside him that's going to produce quality NBA-level play for a very long time. I don't have uh, many doubts about that, Nick. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Paddy Mills and Blake Griffin were the two sort of vet leaders on this team, Nick. And, and Paddy Mills, while his three ball wasn't falling, he was two of 14 from there. He was 10 of 24 from the field, did have six rebounds for a guy that's six foot tall, had five dimes, a steal, a block, had 23 points, led the team in scoring. You know, I think that the we did see him get stripped a couple of times, you know, with a, a few turnovers. And Paddy Mills was supposed to be rested tonight. Yep. You know, you sent him to me. You know, I woke up to some insane news, and I was just like, Jack, like twenty-seven DMs. Wisely. I I had no idea. I had I woke up at like seven a.m. and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, I need to go back to sleep. Yeah. Um, and I tried to consume the news, but my brain couldn't process it uh, at such an early point in the morning. But I, in terms of Paddy Mills's game, Nick, it just seems to me that. He looks a bit tired, and yeah. you know the he, he's running out a, a little bit of juice. He might need to go to to the Whole Foods down the road in Brooklyn, get a nice little OJ. Or for me, I'm a big fan of the old tropical juice to give me a bit of passion fruit, give me a bit of mango in there. Uh, but I still think that he was an albeit a positive tonight. You know, some of the just the tenacious plays that he gives you, some of the steals. You know, all, all of these little dinky little plays. You know, reading. I think Kessler Edwards had was isolated onto whichever Magic player it was. And Kess did a great job of forcing the player baseline. And Paddy was able to just sort of cheat off his defender and knew that the kick-out pass was going to be made. And he's like, okay, I'll just read this and then get out in transition. Yeah. And I thought that he gave the team some pace. Um, it, he looked best when he was getting the ball out of his hands quickly or he was making a shot quickly. Some of his two-point shooting was, you know, remarkable. As I said, you know, if he's 2 of 14 from three, that means he was 8 of 10, you know, from two-point range. And I... Uh, he seems to me, I'm sure other people have noticed his tendency as well, he looks, when he has his fadeaways, he loves to go right and he looks really comfortable going to the right. So if you're an opposition offensive team, you know, you try and you know, guard that if he's sort of taking some fadeaways from there. But, you know, he he was still 41 minutes for a guy that wasn't supposed to play. It reminded me of, you know, Kevin Durant, who wasn't supposed to play and played 48 goddamn minutes. So hopefully we give Paddy Mills a rest tomorrow. We get, you know, Wendell Gabriel, Gabriel uh, into the lineup. You know, let Cam Thomas do his thing for, for a little bit longer or whatever. But Payne Mills was still good tonight. Uh, it was a shame that he could the three balls couldn't fall, especially at some at some key times. But um, it was it was still, I think, despite being an underwhelming performance by Paddy standards, still good in so many areas. Yeah, I think overall you'd still call it a good game. I think this is maybe one of his best two-point games, you know, two-point shots games. You know, he like you said, he was 8 of 10, hit a different array of shots. Obviously, a lot more pressure on him to create, handle the ball in this one. Five assists. You mentioned the six boards. There was a couple boards where he just, like, really fought in there. And I was, like, a little worried. I'm just like, yo, Patty, this game's not that important. I don't want to see you diving for loose balls. We, like, need you for the real game. So I'm not too happy he played 40 minutes, to be honest, 41 minutes. Like, I would have rather seen him, like, play less minutes take the L, whatever it is, but hey, they were close enough to try to fight in there. Credit them, credit him for fighting and making some key plays in this game to still kind of put the Nets back into it. And like you said, I think the rest impacts a three-point shot because he shoots a lot of off-balance threes. You know, you need that little extra pop on some of your jumpers that he just didn't have tonight. Yeah, I think you mentioned it to me either before the pot or in the DMs that a lot of his shots were short. I noticed that as well. That's just, you know, a lack of legs. And, yeah. you know, he, he was he was still getting downhill. I, I think that, you know, like you mentioned, you know, he was hitting a couple of floaters here. There's some long floaters getting to the rim a little bit more. And obviously he's 
pretty good from long two-point range and from the sort of baseline sort of area. So he's got a, a few different spots here and there, and I think that you know he was able to provide that level of leadership for this team as well. And, and as was Blake Griffin in that yeah. department as well, Nick. You know, six of thirteen from the field for him, including three of ten from three. You know, he was the only Nets three-point shooter up until I think Patty Mills or it was no, it was James Ennis that hit, hit yeah. the three ball uh, because Cam Thomas's Cam Thomas's one was disallowed. Two or three from the free throw line, had seven boards, six assists, two steals, 17 points. But if without Blake Griffin tonight, especially in that first half, the Nets were were, were sinking. You know, he was t- obviously doing his, what is it, 17 charges or something this yeah, year? Or 18 now, yeah. 18, you know, he's just, hopefully, and he's just found a way to just not get concussed and not get a head injury and not, you know, get a, a butt injury or back injury and saying that I'm sure he's pretty goddamn sore taking some of them, but... Blake was really good tonight, and it was good to see him just keep taking the three ball. Some of them, you know, it's uh, it's hit or miss. It's just weird to sort of, like, it's it, it reminds you of 2K where, like, you're holding the, the square button too long or you're holding it not long enough. It's just that's what it feels like with Blake Griffin sometimes on the three. Yeah, I mean, some of the threes are really off, too. Like, some of them you can tell right off, like, rip that they're going to be bad because he shoots at the line drive shot that, like, if it's not directly on point, you'll see him hit, like, side rim sometimes, and it just doesn't look great. But credit to him because I think it was 11 points in the second quarter, had that run where he scored 11 straight and got the Nets back into the game because if that didn't happen, it might have been a blowout. You know, it might have been a point where Orlando was up, you know, 15, 20 at halftime, and the Nets are really hurting in that second half. So credit to him for even playing this game, also playing 32 minutes and taking some charges. You love the six assists. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job facilitating this one and trying to set other guys up. Probably could have had a couple more assists of guys knocking down some shots. And obviously, he fought with Robin Lopez. Lopez has the height, has the weight on him. There's not really much Blake can do in that situation. He's a small ball five. He's not a true center. Yeah, he's a power forward by yeah. trade. Like, he was drafted as a power forward, and he's you know, in and the modern game. And undersized one really height-wise, too. Yeah, exactly. Six foot eight, six foot nine, you know, at, at his very best. So... It's um, I still think that it was good to see Blake out there. You know, I, I think that you know he is sort of just pretty nature. Good to see him get a bit of form, see the ball go through the basket. You know, use some of his strength, some of his post moves were were, were quite good as well. So, um, I think that you know he was a, an offensive fulcrum at times, and and the Nets needed that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, like I said, same thing with him and Patty. Like you credit these guys for playing hard in a game where it's hard to play hard because you're missing almost all your teammates and you're the only veterans on the floor really trying to carry the load. So. Uh, I, I respect him. I appreciate him just playing with that level of effort in a game like this. Big time. Now, Nick, the the other big news from the game, you know, obviously there were some good players or whatever, but we've actually got the reply from the, the wearer of this shirt. Um, at, you, you go through it because you were the one that, that sent it to me. So we're sitting at halftime. I'm usually Jack and I are trying to like get snacks, water, go to the bathroom, just get back to cover the game. And next thing you know, I'm catching where Brooklyn at. And I noticed the t-shirt and it's a Brooklyn Buzz t-shirt. It's the James Harden Smoothie King t-shirt that we have on our Brooklyn Buzz shop on Public. Shout out to Courtney and Evan for submitting that to where Brooklyn at. Probably one of the coolest moments for me and you personally, just to see some of our merchandise like showcase on the Nets broadcast. Really cool stuff. Look, and Courtney actually re- responded to, I think, your tweet as well as um, Bilgi Squid, Bilgi Ibiri, uh, writer for Vulture. Follow him on Twitter as well. He's a big Nets fan. Um, and he screenshotted as well from his TV. Courtney looks great. Um, she's, she's drinking the smoothie at the same time. I don't know who looks better out of her and James, but uh, follow her on Twitter as well, guys. Courtney A at Stola F Prod. Um, and she's like, had to do it when shooting. 
It was just a, a really cool, fun thing, and um, I can't believe that we actually saw it in person. Like we, I know, like I've, I'm sort of been keeping you know track of all of our sales and stuff, and it's cool to see people supporting the buzz in any way, fashion, whether you're listening or whether you you know you're, you're buying merch or you're giving us reviews. We got a couple of extra reviews of late, which is really fun. Um, so shout out to Courtney, shout out to all the Nets world that's purchased it and copped some merch from from the Brooklyn Buzz. And yeah, check out T Public for if you want to just be like Courtney and get on the the Yes Network halftime show. Yeah, I mean, if you guys buy the merch and you want to showcase it, post a tweet, tag Jack and I. I'd be more than happy to retweet it. We appreciate all the support. Like, it is so cool that people buy merchandise for our podcast. And also, like you said, even just listening, subscribing, giving us reviews and ratings, all really much appreciated. And shout out to uh, my guy, uh, Brooklyn Nets Oz. I, 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 let me find the the handle quickly. Who made the design for us and, and did a fantastic job? He does some some really cool uh, graphic design work. He's we'll got his own his Twitter handle in the description. Yeah, so make sure you check that one out. Nick's um, you know, obviously on top of that one. Does some good work for Netcast as well. So yeah, that was um, incredibly cool, incredibly fun to see. And you know, we we still pinch ourselves uh, at a lot of this stuff. It's um. Yeah, it's it's super duper cool, but um, there was a, a lot of other super duper cool things that happened tonight, Nick. You know, who did you want to touch on? Obviously, we had the the ten day guys with James Ennis, Langston Galloway, Shaq Harrison. Cam Thomas didn't have his best performance tonight, but he, he hit a couple of buckets here or there. I thought his passing was actually pretty positive. It was just his shot making and shot selection that uh, left a little bit to be desired. Um, in terms of any other analysis from this game before we get to some of the important COVID news, I guess. Yeah, I think touch on Cam a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 15 points, 7 of 20 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers. A little out of control in this game, but I think he's also a guy, this is really his first opportunity to create, you know, at the NBA level with a lack of other good players on the court. And I think you saw that hurt him because there wasn't as much space on the floor. You're not playing next to Kevin Durant. You're not playing next to James Harden. You're not playing next to all these other great players. And that's a learning lesson for him. You know, and I think defensively made some mistakes in this one, but Cam's a rookie, you know, he's going to get better. I think he also was hurting in this game because I think he'd do better with maybe a, a truer pick and roll partner. You know, Blake obviously can help you in the short roll, can hit the threes, but he's not really a rim threat in terms of that, you know, lob threat. Yeah, he's had actually had some nice plays with Clax and, and a little yeah. bit with Dayron at times as well. So I think, you know, you talk about, you know, Kate Cunningham not having really a lob threat either and Detroit. It sort of reminds you a little bit of that. And I think Cam Thomas does have some passing shots. So, look, the, it's interesting because Cam had a, a poor performance that backs up with a big one, you know, the other night. So hopefully he puts this one behind him. And if the Nets play tomorrow, I, do, I hope they don't. But if they do yeah. play tomorrow... Hopefully he's able to, to show uh, the killer cam version that we know and love against the, the old Nuggets. Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, it would make sense for him to almost get more touches to alleviate some of the pressure off Patty, especially in those ISO situations. I think he's a little bit more comfortable, especially because he's bigger. Obviously, we know Patty's only six foot, six foot one. Getting some of these long wing defenders, it's a little tougher for him to create space, especially when he's getting so much attention. And I think that'd be an area where maybe Cam could help out and look to facilitate a little bit more. Not to say that he hasn't done that at all, but I think he could look to showcase maybe more of those point guard skills. Definitely. Nick, should we get to some of the COVID stuff? Yeah, yeah, I mean, is there anything you wanted to mention on any 10-day guys? Anybody stick out to you or they showcase something that you liked? Look, Langston Galloway continued to just sort of provide some reliable secondary ball handling. Shaq Harrison, solid defense, uh, a nice little uh, drive to the basket that I thought impressed me. James Ennis hit um, one of his two, three balls, and you know all those guys rebounded well. Uh, they fit well in a sort of role-player team environment. Um, hopefully they get the chance to showcase themselves a, a little bit more going forward. 
I think that all three of these guys are NBA players. And I think that the fact that the Nets were able to get them on 10 days uh, and sort of fill them in with the hardship exceptions, I think is a, a pretty smart move from Sean Marks. And I think Wendy and Gabriel fits that bucket as well. Yeah, I think it gives you kind of like a tryout. You know, Galloway gives you potentially maybe an offensive threat off the bench. Didn't hit any threes tonight, but we mentioned on the last show, I think shot over 40% a couple seasons in the NBA. Shaq Harrison plays the defense that you want Javon Carter to play. You know, he plays with that high level of intensity, really frustrating guys. And I think for James Ennis, a guy that is an NBA veteran, he just looked a little rusty in this game. No, definitely. And, you know, you got to get out the rust you know, when you've barely been with the team and who knows what the game plan was tonight, but the, the Nets were just... You met your teammates probably today or yesterday. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So shout out to those guys for, for stepping into to the black and white and, and stepping into the clays and, and, and chipping in for this team. Yep, and now we have about uh, a long list of COVID news from today, all different types of stuff. It was really incredible in a bad way. Yeah, and look, I think the Yes Network did a, a decent job of sort of putting it out in their sort of pre-game, Nick, and you sent me this screenshot. So... They had 13 players in the injury report. We didn't even make, mention Nicholas Claxton, who had some wrist soreness and in swelling. So hopefully he's okay and that doesn't linger going forward. Uh, Mills eventually you know, tr- was translated to being available. Kevin Durant was listed in COVID pro- health and safety protocols. Kyrie Irving was listed in co- COVID um, health and safety protocols. Now, and we also heard Sean Mark speak to the media. Nick, what do you think is the most pressing issue? What do you think is the most newsworthy that we should touch on first? I mean, I think the most newsworthy thing is the fact that the Nets have, what, 10 players in COVID protocol right now. It's just incredible that the NBA didn't postpone this game. And I get it. Like, the Nets have bodies, and the NBA doesn't want to do that because it causes problems down the line. But at the end of the day, I think you're putting players at risk. You're putting staff at risk. And Dayron Sharp, a guy who was listed in the health and safety protocols literally, you know, an hour or two before the game, I think they even said that he was participating in warm-ups. It's just hard to make it make sense in my head in terms of, like, how do you not anticipate this? is possibly passing along more to the Lando Magic who have their own issue with COVID protocols and then potentially, you know, passing on to the Denver Nuggets tomorrow in that game. It just seems like why not just postpone these two games, reevaluate it on Monday and see what happens instead of forcing the Nets to play a game where they don't even have a real center and they're playing a whole bunch of players that are just joined the team literally a few days ago. It's just a terrible product of basketball on the court. And that's no disrespect to the guys. It's hard to play good basketball when you have zero chemistry because you have zero reps together. I just, I just find it really amazing that the NBA didn't postpone this game because you look back to the bulls, they postponed a week of games for them and they had 10 guys in protocols and the nets have the same thing. And you're talking about, you know, one of the best players in the entire league and Kevin Durant, if not the best, I just don't know what the NBA is doing here. I was definitely aggravated today. Yeah, it's a little bit nonsensical. You know, I, I don't think I've fully wrapped my head around it, to be honest, because, you know, it was Kevin Reynolds, Kyrie Irving, and then Clax is, is listed out, then Sean Marks speaks to the media. There's just, it's an, there was an overwhelming amount of news. Yeah. Let, let's put it that way. And, you know, obviously the Nets had a game tonight as well. So I can't imagine being within the Nets organization right now and being processing. Steve Nash. <laughs> yeah, being Steve Nash, being Sean Marks and, and processing all of that. But I think the most newsworthy is the, the Kyrie and KD stuff, yeah. Nick. And we don't necessarily know, you know, if Kevin Rand is one of the players that Sean Marks listed as asymptomatic. Hopefully he is. You know, I, I would assume he's he had it last year, I, I think, as well. So... You know, he probably hopefully has some natural immunity. I'm not an epidemiologist. So don't yeah, quite I mean, the only thing that I'll say that I'm like I said, I'm not a scientist either, but I do know the new variant uh, is 
definitely causing people to have symptoms that didn't have symptoms previously, but they're a lot more mild because it's, I think they said 70 times more contagious. So it's not surprising that we're seeing this amount of cases. It's just like, don't you want to try to limit this in a sense of like, Hey, we don't want to pass this along or we don't want to put people at risk. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening right now. Yeah, well, it's funny. The, the English Premier League, who play less games, but this Christmas period is where they cram in a lot of games, have started to postpone some of their big matchups and you know the way that they're handling it. And some people are, are, are praising it. Some people are like, we should just do a total reset. You know, sports leagues around the world, thankfully, you know, um, Australia's got a decent enough grip on it, but they're sort of, you know, the, like you mentioned, Nick, the virality of the Omicron variant is, is tough to keep up with. But in terms of Kevin Durant, and, and as well as all the other players, hopefully they are... You know, be safe and, and, and doing everything. Especially that LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge, as we mentioned, when the first the news first did arrive, um, hopefully all the guys, LA, all the guys are just, you know, recovering um, in any way, fashion. You know, we care more about health and, than basketball on this pod. They're, they're human beings, not just basketballers. But in terms of the news, Nick, I think a lot of people, the thing that was most confusing to me, and I had to ask you, and then there was uh, Christian Whitfield putting out stuff, and then there's Daly and Matt Brooks, and it was just like, okay, what the hell is going on with Kyrie Irving? So, Kyrie Irving was listed in health and safety protocols. A lot of cool jokes on on the timeline. I'm not going to lie. But I also do think, you know, processing it and reading some other people's stuff that it's almost a good thing, the, the fact that this is happening now rather than down the line. It's not yeah. to say that it, it couldn't happen again. Um, but hopefully, you know, this might be a, a turning point for the Nets in terms of you know, Kyrie might want to get the vax um, more now after sort of experience, experiencing or whatever. But in saying that, a lot of people were to and proing about does he need to have you know, test negative for 10 days, five days straight or whatever the, the heck the timeline is. But we got the clarification and this is from Christian Midfield and this is also on ESPN.com via Om Young-Nasuk, who is a, a pretty credible writer when it comes to a lot of net stuff this year. For a player to be cleared from the protocols, he must return two negative tests 24 hours apart. That includes Kyrie Irving. Um, there might be different little protocols here and there. For him, uh, Irving, though, uh, I, I'll actually continue on with what um, Omro. Irving, though, will have to wait before he can make his season debut before entering health and safety protocols. Irving had to return negative COVID-19 test results on five consecutive days before he could join the team because he's unvaccinated. And then he has to ramp up back up to game conditioning. So I'm not, I'm still a little bit confused, Nick. Where does, where does the news lie relating to Kyrie Irving's return and the testing protocols for him in particular? I'm just, this is, I'm spitballing. Like I'm not, obviously I don't work for the NBA. I don't understand the rules, but it almost seems like if Kyrie didn't test positive, he would just have to do five negative tests in a row to rejoin the team. But due to the fact that he tested positive, now he only needs two negative tests to join the team. I'm assuming that's how it goes. I guess in a way it does make sense. Like, hey, he was positive. Now he's no longer positive. And now he's giving us back-to-back negative tests. We know that you know, he's good to go. And, you know, we heard from Sean Marks that there definitely is going to be a ramp up period as well. So like you said, I think maybe it is positive in the sense of Kyrie might get vaccinated or you heard the uh, people have seen the tweet from Nikola Vucevic saying like, hey, herd immunity. You know, now the Nets got this out of the way. Their team had dealt with COVID and it's less likely that it's going to be an issue down the line. Not saying it can't be, but it's less likely to happen given the guys already had to deal with it. And most of them, if not all of them, are fully vaccinated. Yeah, and which is a positive thing. You know, there's plenty of circumstances to consider. It's, again, probably listen to some more credible people when it comes to science and listen to some COVID podcasts. Um, we're sort of tackling this from a, from a net standpoint. And, and Sean Marks had a few different quotes here today. And the reasoning we got from him, Nick, was basically that the circumstances changed. Uh, and the reasoning now behind it is basically because 
you know, it's what's best for the team right now. And I think yeah. that a lot of people have put out different articles here and there, have their opinions, and, and everyone's entitled to them. You know, you when you put out your tweet, you I think that the way that you're dealing with people sort of in your replies is just like, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Basically, the Nets are a basketball team. Yeah, Their aim is to win basketball games and to win a championship. You can change your mind given on new circumstances at hand. The circumstances that at hand are that Kevin Durant has played 445 minutes over the space of 11 games. I looked yeah. that up. I tried to like calculate it. It took me a long time. He's played an inordinate amount of minutes of late. And now we hear that KD and James Harden might have been you know, driving parts of this decision. We heard about the fact that this was a collaborative decision, as is you know, was the decision to... Um, put Kai away from the team in the first place. So I just don't understand why changing your mind when presented with new information is a bad thing. I do understand that this situation in particular might rub people the wrong way, but ultimately the Nets are here to win games. If they follow the protocols like all other players that aren't you know, um, fully vaccinated and other teams that have players in that department, then they should be fine. It's just the fact that the Nets are within New York City which it requires, you know, they have a specific statewide vaccine mandates in comparison to a lot of the other cities and, and states around the country, which are a little bit more lax. Like if, if the, the next, we were a Miami Heat podcast or a Florida podcast or whatever, I'm sure there would be different things and this wouldn't be as much of a discussion point. Yeah. But I do agree that it's what's best for the team right now. I think that the approach and the, the reasoning behind it that we're hearing from Steve Nash uh, and Sean Marks I think it's it's the right thing to do. It is ironic the fact that an unvaccinated person is coming back to help a team that is ravaged by COVID and health and safety protocols. I understand the irony in that, but I also do understand the fact that it's probably what's best for the team right now because you don't want a guy who's coming off an Achilles injury, he's had calf injuries and a lot of other muscle injuries and stuff. It, I, I go by what Sean Mark says and, and I back the team in. Yeah, I mean... Sean Marks didn't want to let the net season get ruined. Like if Kevin Durant gets hurt, like we said in the previous podcast, that ruins your season. There is no championship if KD's not healthy. And obviously having Kyrie allows you to alleviate his load. And I think that's pretty important to the Nets. And the same thing, you know, James Harden's not playing his best basketball right now. And that can help having Kyrie out there, help James Harden be better, help Kevin Durant have a lesser workload, have to produce less and also just rely on some of these other guys less that have been having to have a higher workload as well, especially a guy like Patty Mills. We talked about playing 41 minutes tonight that was supposed to get rest. And, you know, I put out a tweet yesterday, like people are more upset about the Nets letting Kyrie play part time than they are with the NBA and the way that they've handled COVID over these last couple weeks. And in terms of like if the Nets had their games postponed or they were able to have a fully healthy squad, maybe KD doesn't have to play 48 minutes against the Raptors. Maybe he's not playing these excessive workloads and maybe they don't bring Kyrie back. But I think that's something that has to be part of the decision. You know what I mean? Guys are out. They're not out there. You have to react. And at the end of the day, cry about it if you want. The Nets are a business. They care about making money. They care about winning games. Like Joe size said, I think it was like, I never wanted to make this a politics. The only thing I believe is like the religion and winning games. So it is what it is. Obviously, you know, in a sense, you could call them hypocrites. They did change their mind and they were pretty strong about it in the beginning. But you have to address what's in front of you. And it's, this isn't the same team that was in front of them when the season started due to different injuries. Even that being Joe Harris having the ankle surgery. Yeah, I think being high and mighty and having a moral compass about a basketball organization is a little bit weird given what's happening with governments around the world and or and the, the entire that... nba like if you're going to cry about the nets cry about the nba a lot more because they're doing a way worse job than the nets are 
Yeah, and I think that even bigger than that, you know, governments in terms yeah. of whether it's in America, Australia, you know, all all around the world, the, there's been some some fumblings there and some folding or whatever you, you want to say in relation to that. But I, I'm not saying that it's the perfect decision and it's not a murky one. Again, I don't think that anyone has to be completely one way or, or another about it. And people can also change their mind along the way, like we've seen Sean Marks, Joe Sy, and the Nets brass do that. I think the other main thing worth talking about, and probably was the takeaway from this, Nick, we don't really need to go into what Sean Marks and and, they've, and them sort of said in terms of their quotes, but I think the major quote to take away was about you know Kyrie's vaccination status. Um, and apparently that the Nets haven't talked to Kyrie about vaccination status. I don't think that's appropriate right now, Mark said. The times I've gone to see him, those are about forming bond, bonds, forming friendships, and having conversations about fa family and sometimes basketball. When he gets back here, I'm sure they have conversations, whether it's with himself, Steve, or the players and so forth. But I want to get back in the fold and we'll navigate those conversations then. Does that satisfy you in any sense, Nick? Or is it just sort of like, you know, Sean Marks, bit of spin that, he, that he's always pretty good at? Yeah, I think it's a little spin. But I also think he realizes, you know, Kyrie's a delicate personality to an extent. And he wants to handle this the right way. And I think, you know, having an aggressive approach of being like, you need to get vaccinated. People don't always react well to that. If you kind of can explain it to him in, you know, a different way. And especially if you have the help of a Kevin Durant or a James Harden and it's in the right environment, I think you're more likely to get the successful outcome. Because like we said yesterday, ideally Kyrie Irving does get vaccinated. That's still what we want. Obviously, that's not the case at this exact moment in time. But ideally, by the end of the season, that's what we'd all like to see. Yeah, no, definitely. And and look, you know, his hesitancy, I, I believe, by a brand of Scoop B. Robinson is because of, you know, complications that he's had with, you know, medicine and, and recovery from injuries in the past. Look, that's, that's, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying that that is where his hesitancy lies. And I think when it comes to Scoop, Brandon Scooby Robinson, some of his stuff can be a little bit misleading, but I think on, I think some of his stuff can also be on the money when it comes to. He's got to a kind of resource. Yeah, he definitely does. And I think Shams might uh, as well uh, in, in relation to that as well. But as you mentioned, Nick, you know, hopefully it's Christmas Day. I went back into the archives. I went onto Megaphone and I looked through it. I found the exact minute. I put it on my timeline. I said it was going to be Christmas Day. I did also say it could be opening night, but I cut that bit out <laughs> just in time. Um, so in saying that, maybe Christmas Day is a little bit un less likely given his status as probably testing. I think the ramp up comment made me think Christmas Day was less likely. Look, Nick, don't take away <laughs> my predictions. Don't don't rain on my parade, my guy. You know, it's Christmas time. Let's be festive. Let's be positive. So, look, it's probably less likely. At this likely. point, who even knows if the Christmas game's going to happen? Yeah, the Christmas, with Anthony Davis out with an MCL injury, it's going to be, what, LeBron James versus David Duke Jr. I, I don't know what the hell is going to happen uh, by Christmas, Nick. And, but we'll be covering it. We'll be back tomorrow. If the hopefully if not, but yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not. But, you know, I'm, I'm still going to be here for the next, you know, nine or ten days. So I'll be on the buzz quite regularly which i'm happy about and i'm sure there'll be plenty of news relating to the nets and then simon again i think Kyrie irving is, is 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 more likely to get vaccinated now that he's with the team than being away from the team uh, that's just my general reasoning i just from what you know we've known from covering him in terms of his personality and and the love and the passion and the joy that he plays with when he's at barclays center in front of his family that for me is is the reason why that I think that you know he's going to want to be out there on the big stage, you know, in front of his his family, his friends, and and everyone, you know, on on the big stage at the clays, you know, whether it's in the postseason, whether it's towards the, the latter points of the season. I don't know. Things can change on, on a whim, and I might change my mind. And you can call me a hypocrite if you want, but that's just where my reasoning lies now, where my thinking lies now. Um, hopefully, Kai, Kai gets vaxxed. Hopefully, 
more importantly, Nick, hopefully the 10 players that are in health and safety protocols and Joe Harris that is injured, who's coming back hopefully sooner rather than later, Nicholas Claxton, hopefully his injury is not nothing too serious. Hopefully everyone is fit and firing and is happy, able to see their families, have a good holidays and be able to take care of themselves, their families, their friends, and as well as all of our, our listeners that are, that are joining us right now. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a, a great point, Jack. Obviously, you want to see the entire team healthy at some point for whatever reason. I agree, too. I think Kyrie's more likely to get vaccinated with the team because of some of the influence of these guys. And also the fact is like, He's going to want to play in front of the Barclays crowd. He's going to want to play in front of his family and all these different things and also like continue the momentum. The Nets are on a five-game winning streak. Kyrie's going to want to be part of that as they try to get it to double digits or something like that. And like you said, also more importantly, hopefully all of our listeners are safe out there. This is a crazy time with all the COVID cases skyrocketing, not only in you know major sports, but also just throughout the world. So be safe. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.